welcome, one and all. You're uh, happy Friday. This is the Robots vs. Taxes show. I'm Pablo Morali Martinez. And I'm Ernesto Mancibo, and we are on Radio Free Brooklyn. Yeah! 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 We, ho- um, we hope that you all had a wonderful Mother's Day, despite everything that's going on. Make sure, make sure to call your mother. Call uh, your mom. <laughs> See how she's doing. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. It doesn't take a lot. Um, and I just want to say, I just want to say Happy Mother's Day to you, bro, because because you're oh, thank you because you're one bad mother. Thank you, man. You are also the baddest mother. Hey, that I've ever hush your mouth. Heard. <laughs> <laughs> you are the hardest working man in show business. Um, so. So yeah, uh, there has uh, we're, we're, there has been a lot that's been going on, and there's uh, and uh, uh, we have kind of uh, reached this point where we need to we need to address certain things that are going on in the world. Uh, of course, we're going to get to uh, the movie that we saw this week, um, but uh, we're also going to sprinkle some taxes. Onto your robots, mm. um, just regarding all the things that have been happening uh, throughout these past few weeks that uh, I believe need to, you know, that we both believe actually need need to get addressed. Uh, let's uh, let's just dive right in uh, right here. Back in February, um, a young man by the name of Amud Arbery uh, was murdered in Georgia. Uh, he was out for a jog. And uh, two white men uh, approached him armed uh, because they uh, accused or uh, made up, pretty much made up the story that there had been a series of home robberies in the area and that Amud matched the description. Um, you can probably guess the vague description that was given, so it could have been anybody. Um, of course there was, uh, some sort of struggle. I mean, if you have two, if if you have two men coming toward you who are armed and they are not police officers, uh, I, I, I can only speak for myself, but I would be greatly alarmed and I would not be, uh, complying with any sort of orders they're trying to give me just because they do not have the authority. Um, and at some point Amu tried to run away and they shot him. And the the state has sat on any sort of action in regards to this crime for close to two months until the footage that was filmed by a third person who was accompanying two, these two white men uh, was released. And the entire country has seen it. I'm sure those of you who are listening have seen it at this point. If you haven't, um, just a brief warning, it's... It's very disturbing, disturbing. And, yeah. and upsetting. Um, if, if, there's any, if there's any internet meme that sort of covers the situation in regards to the injustice of it all uh, that I've seen is that, uh, and I quote, remember, they didn't release, uh, they, didn't, uh, they didn't make an arrest because they saw the video. 
they made an arrest because we saw the video. They didn't they yeah. didn't they didn't care until the entire country saw how heinous this was. Um I mean it's it's really it, I saw the video and it was infuriating. Um and uh you know I I I saw it on Sean King's page mm-hmm. and uh you know I you know I immediately donated to Act Blue um the uh the link that he uh that he posted on his page with regards to, uh, you know, uh, uh, fun, basically funding the legal action that's going to be taking place on behalf of Amud Arbery. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. And I, I was just kind of taken, taken aback because it, it's just one of the latest cases of black people can't do anything. Uh, they can't jog. They can't sit in their house. They can't play with a toy gun. Uh, they can't buy a gun at Walmart uh, legally. Uh, you know, they can't drive a car. I mean, it, it, now they can't jog. And, you know, it's it's infuriating because this justice system is broken. It's racist because, I mean, they would have, these two guys that shot Amud Arbery, uh, they would have gotten away with it had it not been for the the footage that was released mm-hmm. that that, <laughs> that like it, uh, uh, this crime would have just gone on completely unnoticed by the public at large mm. uh mm. and that and that's the thing that infuriates me the most and and it feels like this is kind of uh i mean this is just the latest injustice but it feels like it carries so much weight now um, because every day we're seeing a brand new video. There are Amud Arbery's uh, type cases happening all over the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kids getting thrown down by the police, punched, you know, not being read their rights. There's no social distancing happening. Um, and, you know, and it, you cut to white people and they're just like, you know, in Central Park being handed rubber gloves being handed, uh, you know, uh, antibacterial, uh, or, you know, Purell, uh, yep. you know, and face masks and, and, and face masks and and, you know, uh, hello, sir. Can I help you, sir? And, uh, you know, and in black neighborhoods, all we're seeing is violence. Mm-hmm. All we're seeing is the police crack busting heads, uh, cracking down on people who are basically gathered in the same kind of way as uh as uh you know white people in central park or white people in prospect park or mm-hmm. wherever that wherever they may be gathered every it single just park, shows yeah. yeah it just shows the great divide you know the great div- the great racial divide that just keeps getting bigger and you know and i talk i talked to you very briefly about it and you told me that we're approaching a saturation point. Mm-hmm. We are, and I wanted you, like, maybe if you can elaborate that a little bit more, uh, because I did want to talk to you m- more about, you know, what you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Well, no people can take uh, the amount of abuse that Black people have taken and not react. Uh, people are living things. People are dynamic things. 
And you can't have people constantly abused by the system and not expect some sort of backlash. And it comes in waves. Um, over, a little over four years ago, we saw the rise of the Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter movement, which has begun to change the face of at least talking about policy and in some places actually changing policy uh, with certain police departments in regards to making sensitivity training mandatory, uh, bringing uh, bringing more district attorneys uh, to the attention of certain cases so that we can at least begin the process of changing how we deal with police brutality, uh, the protection of said officers within their departments and their unions, and just changing what is supposed to happen. Uh, unfortunately, with unrest also comes violence. I don't know if you remember a few years ago where um, I believe he was a former former Marine or something along those lines. It was in Texas, and he had shot several police officers. No, this was in Los Angeles, I think. Are you talking about Christopher Dorner? I think so. Yes, I believe that's his name. Los Angeles. Thanks thanks yeah, for uh, He he was he I think he was a former police officer himself and an ex-marine and he just had it. Yeah. And he was just like every day I'm just going to shoot another cop. And what and why I bring him up is that I'm not I'm not pointing to that as saying like, "Oh, this is what we should be doing." Because no, that's not what we should be doing. What I'm saying is that with any unrest, um, it's uh, injustice will only beget violence. There is no population that just acquiesces and accepts it, and then that becomes the status quo, and then nothing happens and everything is just okay. It just, with human beings, it's just not going to happen. And I'm afraid that that's one of the directions uh, that we are going in. But more to the point, though, um, over the past several years, we've seen movements from many marginalized groups, whether it's marriage equality, whether it's the Me Too movement, whether it's Black Lives Matter. People are tired of being second class citizens. People are tired of not being treated equally, which is the only thing that's being asked for. Um, yeah. And I feel and I, mean, and I feel like with the precedent that we have been setting within the last just the last decade alone with the um proliferation of social media and social movements and people organizing that we're going to get to a point where the country will have no choice but to face its demons on at least on a on a starting level or there are going to be unforeseen consequences and i'm thinking Things along the lines of uh, serious political unrest. Um, I believe that part. Well, first of all, uh, the Democratic Party may become fractured if they don't rally around um, as a collective uh, black people to start to make changes to the system. I believe that this will only spur on the radical Republican conservative movement to be even more overt about its support for white supremacy. I mean, we've seen too many examples over the last several years with uh, that Senator Steve King being an, an outright racist, but he yeah. still has his job. 
Um, yeah. I think we're just going to... A, yeah, we're, the scumbag from Iowa. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're just going to see more of that. I hope... I'm hoping that we're... See, I'm hoping... I'm hoping and not hoping that we're going to see... Uh, Uh, like precision economic protest. Uh, That was one of the cornerstones of the civil rights movements back in the 60s, uh, making well-thought-out, precise, and sustained economic strikes in order to get the attention of the country. Um, And I believe that's what's needed. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. Um, And, and, you know... uh, if people have a uh, people have I think people listening would have an issue with like being like, oh, you're bringing up Christopher Dorner. You know, um, this is a uh, an endorsement of violence and blah, blah, blah. But uh, like it, it's it's w- w- what I'd like to I just like to 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 piggyback off what you said uh, about uh, Christopher Dorner. It's a reaction, right? Mm-hmm. It's a reaction to like it, it's a reaction to racial unrest. The L.A. riots, the the L.A. riots, right in mm-hmm. the '90s, reaction to racial unrest uh, that was just simmering below the surface. Uh, and you know, on the flip side of this, like when Obama was elect uh, was elected president, right? You know, there was an uptick in how many uh, members to white militias. Uh, you know, how many members? You know, they they accrued basically who signed up to be part of white militias it 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 uh it hit a spike mm-hmm. you know and uh and that's that's minor change minor change anytime that uh people of color black people try to take try to move the the social strata try to move the social dynamic a little bit in their favor there is an immense reaction from white America, mm. there's just like an immense reaction from from uh, white people who just feel like, oh my god, it's a white genocide. I have to get more guns. Uh, I have to, you know, I have to support. Uh, I have to support uh, neocon Republicans, and it gives rise to Trump, and it it uh, it it creates this climate of fear that is, you know, like. Uh, kind of fed daily by the right wing media, which is Fox News. And you, you know, it's and the thing is, it's black people aren't even trying to move the needle toward in their favor. They're just trying to move it away from injustice. That's the thing that confounds the the mind. It's like, oh, okay, we want less, uh, possibly zero brutality. Uh, toward our community at least we want it to look the same way it looks toward your community and white people are just like oh what i mean to 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 take a to make a myopic uh metaphor it's just like no 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 our brutalization of you is our heritage you can't take that away from us you know yeah we want to we want to say the n-word too you guys say it in rap why can't we say it it's like (laughs) oh my god like, I, hold on. Bless you. Bless you again. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's getting cut. Um, 
You're allergic but, to uh, injustice. I, I'm allergic. To, I'm allergic to white supremacy. I'm allergic to injustice. It incenses my 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 allergies. Irritates my my capillaries. Um, but yes. But but see, like you know, you you get you get people who you know, uh, black people who are just who are are basically just saying, "Black lives matter." Hey guys, you know we're getting killed out here. Like Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Just can you can you just like keep that in mind? And then you, you get the neoconservative white people being like, "No, no, no! All lives matter. Blue lives matter." It's like what what is what the fuck is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. What the fuck is wrong? Like stop! Like this, it it it's. It, it it baffles me, but at the same time, I do understand where it's coming from. It's coming from uh, a, a feeling of inferiority. Mm. Like they they think that, oh my god, now we're uh, the because it's usually and, uh, and I'm going to make a generalization. It's usually poor whites who are um, who mostly uneducated who are basically thinking that they have uh, all these entitlements and then they start seeing black people trying to uh, come up in the world and make their make their case known that they are human lives and they're like no 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 we are not the same as you mm-hmm. you know mm. and then feeling that they are in the same pot as they are as black people, then they immediately rebel because they don't they don't like that feeling. Mm. It it, may, it reminds them that we're all just one people when they're just like, no, 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 I want my my Merry Christmas. <laughs> I want my uh, white presidents. I want I, I don't want anything to change. I don't want anything to change. It's part it. It's inherent to white identity. Um, and I believe uh w.e.b dubois um actually said it best uh in order to subscribe to white identity you have to believe that the lowest white man is still better than the most successful black man inherently and that is the psychological wage of whiteness even though you're not part of the club and you never actually will be you'll never really have as much land or money as the elites and compared to compared to them it's essentially a pittance it's actually it's actually to your advantage to uh, to ally with and to unionize with uh, marginalized people, in this particular example, black people. But even against your own interests, you will still side with the elite. And that sort yeah. of thinking has survived into the current day. Um, you see you see all of these people voting for a man, uh, in, partic- in particular number 45, who... Would not who wouldn't sit down and share a beer with any single one of them because he 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 himself wouldn't want to be reminded of how low class he is. So he keeps that separation, but he does know how to manipulate them. He does know how to engage them emotionally, which is essentially another cornerstone of white supremacy. It's not about logical thinking; it never has been. It's about engaging somebody emotionally and making them believe 
that their emotions are completely justified. It's it 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 is it is kindling on the fire to to bring that up because uh, I, I, in terms of my my anger and our basically our anger towards it is that we we both know we at least we've come to know like what Trump is all about right mm-hmm. uh, he is a snake oil salesman uh, he's basically he he's grifting everyone. Like he doesn't care. He doesn't give a shit. Like he, like he could give less of a shit if people are dying. Things have to happen directly to him, and that, that's not to say anything about like the fact that like he might have been exposed to COVID recently. Who knows? Hmm. Maybe maybe his uh, his concepts will change. I I almost <laughs> guarantee that his concept of death will change if he if and when he is ever infected. Uh, by uh, the coronavirus change in which way uh, because he seems to, his his point of view is like oh I need to you know people are just like I you need to take action and he's like uh, I don't know this could be the uh, propaganda perpetuated by the Democrats blah 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 and then uh, for a split second he was like oh I have to I have to um actually do something about this so he's trying to buy ventilate you know he was, he made the purchase of ventilators um which don't work and then um if you notice that he left it up to the states and i think there was a recent article by the atlantic right that uh basically spelled it out saying that he would they uh, the government uh, was ready to act uh with regards to covid19 but then uh, they saw the communities that were being the hardest hit, which are like people of color, you know, black people. Um, and then they were just like, you know what? Leave it up to the States. Hmm. Uh, and it's, it's inaction because they don't care. It's happening to black people. So they don't care. Um, and it's, it's, it's infuriating. It's infuriating because this is, this is just, it, it it keeps cutting to the core of racial injustice. And we both know that Trump is always going to side with injustice because it's profitable. But at the same time, if he himself is infected with coronavirus, and this is, you know, speculation, if he himself is infected, he might uh, start to we might see him actually try to start to lead. But it's only because it's di- affecting him directly. No, he. I. I. And, I respectfully. I. I don't think he would lead. I think he would just find a way to uh, flip this around to make it seem like it was the fault of some particular group. He would lean. He would double down on on the whole China virus talk. He would. I, I just. Oh, maybe you're right. Th- yeah, th- yeah, there's, you're right. There's, you're right. Fuck, you're right. There, I have. There's nothing about Trump in in all the time that. We've seen him as a uh, a reality TV um, personality to a wannabe politician to president. There is nothing that he's ever done that has that that shows anything redeeming about him. I mean, this guy this guy was forced by New York to close down his um, one of his charities or foundations. Because they were fat, because they were, 
because they were found to be misappropriating money. Like yeah. what? What? The, like this guy is just the worst. He's just the worst human being. I mean, to call him a, a snake oil salesman is to do a disservice to snake oil sales. To snake oil salesman, like, yeah. Like, Agreed. He's just like we've got to like make up new terms for him. But um, in regards to uh, what what happened in Georgia, uh, a little more news came out today uh, via Sean King uh, that the homeowner that the murderers were referencing uh, in regards to the robbery happening. Uh, this homeowner spoke up and said, no, 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 no. I never filed a police report and nothing was ever stolen from my property. Like, I don't know what. Oh, my God. I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> so, but so this so never this never happened. Basically... It's a lie. So, yeah, it's it's a complete lie. They just what they were just like they woke up. They 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 stopped fucking their cousins and they thought to themselves, I'm going to go out and kill a kill a black man. Yep. Basically, that's essentially it. And because. And because there are, you know, more lax laws in Georgia in regards to making a citizen's arrest and this, that and the other, uh, they the original uh, prosecutor uh, was just trying to play it off. He was just like, look, all of this was legal. I'm sorry. You know, and then the video came out and that prosecutor had to recuse himself. Um, and then the second one stepped in. And that one had to recuse himself because they had either links to the two guys, uh, personal links or uh, something, uh, some links to the police union that they all used to belong to. Because I believe the father of this duo, it's a father son duo who murdered uh, Amud. Um, Not surprising. Have some uh, I think the father might be a, a former police officer or something along those lines. Uh, also not surprising. So it's uh, it's it's unbelievably infuriating. And this is this is one of those situations where there has to be there has to be justice. I mean, we can't. I mean, if they tr if they try to throw us a bo uh, like a a Botham Jean Botham Jean type of bone with this one, I don't know if we can accept that. I just don't know. That's the 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 big if now is the trial right that's where the rubber hits the road mm -hmm. right uh because I, I if if they get off with some minuscule sentence i i i i feel like people are going to lose their shit like like you said mm -hmm. like exactly like you said um and and i I, I just can't wrap my head around that. Like, I can't wrap my head around um, if these two guys uh, get, like, a lenient sentence. Like, I can't... I, I couldn't be able to wrap my head around that. Like, there are... There are, like, people who are armed to the teeth protesting uh, this stay-at-home, you know... Uh, the stay-at-home COVID prevention strategy mm. that everyone is employing. Mm. Uh, people went to their senators, uh, their congressmen, armed to the teeth, white people, mm -hmm. and nothing happens. Mm. You know, a black man goes jogging, he is dead. Mm. He is now dead. And to me, like, to see the injustice of seeing the two murderers, uh, these two murderers who killed Amud Arbery, uh, 
to 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 know that there is a possibility that they could get like what like what what's a lenient sentence six months oh if if they do something for, for murder <laughs> if they do something like that i i i really am afraid in, in regards to what will happen in this country i think i think georgia would explode like georgia would would implode pretty much like yeah just there would be riots in the streets this is and then um and then that gives white people the ability to turn around and be like see what they're doing see what these black people are doing they're violent just because justice had its day because that's that's how everything is spun with regards to people of color it's always like look how dare you step out of line and that's going to be that's going to be the rallying cry of Fox News. That's going to be the rallying cry of all these the the same white people that are are carrying around the posters saying uh, work will set you free. Ugh. Um, that fucking racist uh, bullshit slogan that was in that was that uh, is the same uh, slogan as the one that they had in Auschwitz. Those same assholes mm-hmm. are going to use that defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's that's the other thing that uh, seems to be missing. I'm not even going to say missing anymore because I, I believe that white people as a collective see the symbolism that they employ when they try to pretend that they're oppressed. Uh, first of all, they always borrow slogans or uh, movements from actual actual marginalized groups. You know, don't oppress us. This is. I've seen comparisons to Nazi Martin Luther Martin Luther King Mar- or Martin Luther King or Nazi Germany or you know all these all these ridiculous parallels like people who were actually in those positions of oppression were wishing that it was something like this you know where it was where it was not a matter of systemic injustice but more so um there is some sort of national emergency that is keeping everybody from uh, fulfilling their full work potential temporarily um, to just straight up uh, racist uh, symbology like swastikas or uh, anti-Semitic slogans. It's and and it's it's embraced by the collective. It's just like, yeah, you know whatever this is who we are we're going to we're going to show up to these places with the uh, confederate flag with swastikas with this and the other because you know we're going to double down right yeah. it's doubling down like this is us like it's it's only a matter of time before before they i i mean i i'm at a loss for words it's just Wow, that bike uh, zoomed by. <laughs> yeah, no, that bike was really loud. <laughs> but uh, there goes one of them now. <laughs> well, jeez, I mean, uh, there are a few of those idiots here in New York, but at least um, yeah. it's not as pervasive as it is uh, in some other places. But um, but yeah, no, this country's definitely headed to a point. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's certainly heading to a point. Oh boy! Um, um, you mind if we uh, if we shift? Yeah, if we switch over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah uh, just to remind people, uh, I am Pablo Morales Martinez, and I'm Ernesto Mancibo, and you're listening to the Robots versus Taxes show on Radio Free Brooklyn. Oh yeah.
So now, um, switching over to our movie of the week, uh, we, I was like, maybe we should pit other another pair of two ridiculous movies together. But then, um, you know, all this news, just all this news about racial injustice, um, and I was thinking that we could watch something a little different, and uh, I picked for us to 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 check out. A movie called The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ernesto, uh, can you give us a little summary about what you thought uh, of not a little summary of the movie and then tell us uh, your thoughts? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, the Last Black Man in San Francisco uh, takes place uh, surprisingly in San Francisco. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't say. You know. <laughs> You, you didn't see that one coming. Um, no. And uh, we follow... Hold on, let me just uh, bring up uh, some of my notes here. So we follow a protagonist. Jimmy Fails. Thank you, thank you. So we follow a, protag- a protagonist, Jimmy Fails, uh, in his life uh, in San Francisco. He is... At first, he appears as uh, somewhat of an oddball. You can tell right away from his personality. He's not the same as let's say some of the other black guys in his neighborhood who just sort of, you know, hang out on the street corner, uh, bullshitting with each other, you know, um, he sort of has a different trajectory. You can feel it right away. And he comes across as weird at first because he seems to be working and repairing a house, uh, that he does not live in or own. Um, and the, the owners of the house at the time, uh, they're just like, would you stop doing it? Well, at least, um, the, the woman, uh, says, you know, would you stop doing this? Like, you don't, you don't live here, you know? And the guy is, you know, her, her husband, I assume is on her side, but is also, you can tell he's trying to be empathetic. He's just like, you know, there's something going on here. So it's like, she's like, we'll call the cops. He's like, no, 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 no. We're not going to call the cops, but you know, please like, don't, don't come back. So you're, you're autumn. You're thinking, okay, is something wrong with Jimmy. Um, and as the story unfolds, uh, it turns out that his family has history with this particular house in particular, his grandfather, um, Jimmy tells everyone, uh, built this house with his own two hands back in the day. Um, uh, so at some point there's some sort of family tragedy that happens in the current owners, uh, lives and they are forced to move away from this house. So it is now vacant and empty. And Jimmy, along with his friend, uh, Mont, Mont, uh, they, they try, um, they essentially start squatting in the house. (laughs) Um, and there is a certain, uh, there's a certain protocol that one, um, can follow that if you squat in a place, there's a certain amount of legality or protections that are extended to you if you are there for a certain amount of time or if you have bills coming in your name to that particular address. Um, I Squatter's rights. Squatter's yeah. rights. I don't know too much about them, but it, it, it made the film interesting. Um, I, I won't go through the blow-by-blow blow of everything in the film because it is, um, it's quite nuanced. Um, but toward the end of the film, everything that Jimmy believes about this house and its history and his family's history seems to be not quite true. 
Um, right. And it kind of shatters him. And in a certain way, it shatters the viewer uh, to go along on this uh, journey with him. Uh, the way he finds out is heartbreaking, but also brilliant. Uh, speaking more on the film itself, I thought it was beautifully shot. Um, the acting was top notch. Um, I felt that every single character from the from the guys on the corner to our protagonist and his best friend and all the supporting characters, I thought it was brilliant. Um, that being said, I did not like this movie. What? I Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, surprise. Just wow. Be- OK. Just because uh, not from any not not from anything technical. I am just exhausted with uh, movies with a predominantly black cast being about black pain. Um, It's something that is important and needs to be depicted. I am just personally tired of it um, because this this film is receiving um, some pretty good accolades. And uh, to a certain extent, I'm happy because the story is told and the director it seems uh, was very responsible in regards to how things were going to be depicted. Cause he co-wrote this uh, with the actor who plays Jimmy fails, uh, whose, whose name is Jimmy. Jimmy it was also Jimmy, Jimmy fails. Cause uh, the story, yeah. so the story is somewhat yeah. molded around his life. Uh, I'm sure they took artistic license in certain places, but yeah. Um, but you know, so to that extent, I'm happy, but on the other, on the other hand, it's just like, okay, Hollywood seems to stand up and applaud every time there is a film that depicts the uh, the pain of black people in this country. It's just it it normalizes it, you know, because there was nothing in this film from what that I could see that brought him out of it. It was just a certain amount of hardship a little bit of hope and then that hope snatched away and it's back into hardship from what I could see. Some might say that he had some sort of uh, epiphany through the hardship. I don't know. All I, all I know is that at the end I was left very hollow. Really? Yeah. Okay. What did you think? I think that this movie should have been nominated for an Oscar. And mm-hmm. I think it was robbed. Uh, and I, while I agree with you that Hollywood applauds movies about black pain, mm-hmm. um, this movie to me didn't strike me as your typical, you know, uh, misery porn uh, with regarding black people. In fact, I felt like it was, like you said, beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt that this movie had some really. Had, had like yes it's a tragedy but it's something brand new that i haven't seen before which is kind of like this magical realism to it um and it I, to me it just wasn't like like it wasn't your 12 years a slave you know mm. kind of movie where you know white people are just like oh i saw 12 years a slave i'm you know i pat myself on the back it's like this movie was about black characters dealing with a black struggle um, and there was no white savior. And I'm I was 
more than taken away with it. I, I, I thought this movie was one of the most beautiful movies I'd, I'd ever seen. Hmm. And I thought it was robbed with regards to the Oscars, um, given that the last Oscars were predominantly white. Hmm. So um, I feel like uh, this movie, like I, I kept seeing it with regards to the movies that were nominated in 2019 and I was just like, why if, Why was Ford versus Ferrari even nominated? You know, this should have been nominated in its place. It's just, I think it's a superior movie. To me, it affected me more than, than half the movies that were nominated. And even more so, I thought, like, it could have... It could have stolen the show. Like I feel like it, it's even more a superior movie than, say, the movie Parasite, which won the which won the Oscar that year. So mm. I don't know. Those are my those are my feelings about it. So I'm I was kind of amazed that you said that you hated it. <laughs> <laughs> it did feel like you punched me in the chest. Yeah, I was I'm, like, oh, I'm sorry, dude. Like, but I mean, if if, <laughs> if anything, just take away that it, it it's not. Uh, it, it's a nuanced kind of hate, you know, because I do. Re- yeah, right, right, right. I do recognize that, you know, there there are uh, many points of brilliance uh, in this film um, uh, that I uh, mentioned before. I, th- I think I'm just coming more from a personal and somewhat um, uh, socio political place uh, in regards to what Hollywood chooses to make uh, the. Um, one of the most uh, chooses to make a, a prominent trope for the for black stories like look i i, I never want it to be um like hidden or uh downplayed that you know there is a struggle uh for black people in this country you know that is part of the narrative however um when it comes down to ho- to hollywood films there is uh, there's more than that, you know, black life is not just about struggle, even though it's, you know, it plays, it's, True. it plays its part. Um, and I think it, that's one of the reasons why um, I was so emotional at the end of Black Panther, you know, which is a very different kind of movie, of course. Oh yeah. Yeah. Way different. But, but <laughs> I, I was emotional at the end because it was, it was the story it was the story of a struggle that incorporated uh, real life issues, especially in regards to Killmonger um, and how his worldview was formed by what happened to him and where he grew up um, on the West Coast, uh, poor, uh, without his father, and then him discovering his, his history and trying to come to some sort of uh, resolution with it but through a lens of anger which is justified but at the same time was also an impediment to him like there was something really beautiful about that and then the recognition from T'Challa and, and some Wakandans in regards to uh, like you know we left a part of ourselves abandoned you know like this was wrong Um and going into the final conflict with that knowledge, it's just like this is more than just a superhero film. This is this is real social commentary, and just to see the beauty of culture flourish on screen and and um, and just be depicted that way. Like when the movie ended, I was just like, 
it, it felt like a like a temporary release, you know. Um, and I'm not saying that all Hollywood films with all black characters have to be like that, but you know, take a take some different approaches because you know we all we all don't see life in the same way, especially within the diaspora. Okay. Okay. I can re- I I totally respect that. Um uh you know, I I can understand the uh, your reticence to accept this movie. Um yeah, I was I I just had too many things that I kind of just adored about the movie just with regards to like how it approached masculinity mm. in the film. Mm. Um because I feel like I have never seen a movie talk about like address black friendship in such a tender way. Mm. Like a, a friendship between two people of color, a friendship between two, two black men where they're not gay. And it, even if they were, it, it like, it doesn't matter, mm. you know, um, that they're like, they're very friendly with each other they really look out for each other and they express emo they're not afraid to express emotion with each other and i was like see that is a step forward that's what i want to see mm. i want to see uh i want to see the the hyper masculinity uh be critiqued and dissected and just like when like kind of like the greek choir of uh those four dudes um that were always uh, hanging out in front of that bus stop uh, where they were all kind of <laughs> like always talking shit about other, you know, about other people in the neighborhood. Uh, and then th- and then when one of them gets shot and loses his life, mm. like they're not afraid to cry in each other's arms. Like I'm just like I've never seen that. That was amazing. And I think yeah. yeah, and I thought I thought that was beautiful and I and I'm just like I would this is different to me. This is not just to me it's not just your typical Hollywood bullshit. And it was made by A24, uh, a studio that I think pumps out nothing but like predominantly classic movies. Mm. Like really just really great movies. Um they're mostly known for their horror movies, but um <laughs> uh, but they I th- I don't think this is a typical Hollywood movie. This is something I, I, th- I saw the film as something that was like a breath of fresh air. Okay. Something and something that should have been more paid attention to by critics. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And what a bunch of accolades. I just don't understand why. I just don't understand why it's overlooked. Well, I do understand why it's overlooked. Mm. I mean, it's just, predominantly black cast um there is no there are no white saviors in fact the leonardo dicaprio kind of looking dude in the movie <laughs> he basically he basically kneecaps uh any any hope for a, a, a better future um and then the ending to me was just like very uh it, again it fell into that whole ma- magical realism thing of uh, uh, like it kind of reminded me of the end of a hundred years of solitude. Hmm. I don't know if you've ever read that book. That, that book's really great, but it, it kind of has a, a very similar ish ending where they're just like, well, what's going to happen now? And then you see the main character doing something 
like escape trying to escape in such a way where they're just like what's happening what's where is he going that's impossible for a person to be doing that and um i don't know hmm. okay <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to sway you over. To <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't noticed, like I'm really trying to like sell you on the movie uh, because I was just like, I was so like, after I watched it, I was just like, you know who might like this? Ernesto. I think I'm Ernesto might like this. The, but the points you make are valid, uh, in, especially yeah. in regards to the, um, the, re- the relationships between uh, black men in that film. Like there was, there was a beautiful nuance to them, um, especially the scene you described where it seemed like it was going to turn into a confrontation and, and instead it turned into a very vulnerable and tender moment. So, um, so yeah, like I said, there are, there are moments in this film that are, are brilliant, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully we'll see more from this director and this actor and um, uh, they'll keep on exploring their voices because it seemed like they came from, they came from almost no experience and put out something like this. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it's 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 masterful. I hope that they continue to uh, to do the damn thing because you know they've if they can do this, uh, I'm 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 looking forward to them uh, exploring other themes in the future. Yeah. So you're yeah, but you're just not you you just couldn't dig it because of the the tragedy at the end. Yeah, I'm just I'm just sort of tired of the whole like, you know, of the whole, you know, black pain, uh, black life sucks, uh, you know, this that, and the other. Uh I mean, at least they didn't shy away from uh depicting uh certain key white people in this film as kind of uh shallow uh like exa- for example the the real estate broker that uh Jimmy and Mont thought you know they had a sort of at least some sort of sort of a friendly relationship but it turns out like no it's it's just business and um the scene where Jimmy it was close to the end was on the bus and he heard the uh these two young white women talking about San Francisco in a disparaging way and he was just like, you can't say that, you know, you, and he was like, uh, they're like, excuse me, like we can say whatever we want. And he, <laughs> and he was just like, he was just like, do you love San Francisco? And they're just looking at him all confused. He was just like, if you don't love it, then you can't hate it. And I was just like, you know, he's, he's, he's talking as a native, uh, to, yes. to these transplants, you know? So, you know, it's, it, the, the film is not without its brilliance. I'm not, I'm not saying the film isn't brilliant. I just, you know, I just can't get on board. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, uh, I totally, you know, if you hate it, you hate it. I mean, like I, I, I totally get it. I mean, like, um, uh, uh, there's another thing about the, the commentary, especially with what you just brought up with the two, you know, with the two white ladies. One of the white ladies was actually in American Beauty. She was the the girl that was uh, Kevin Spacey's daughter. Oh, really? And I haven't seen. Oh. Yeah, I haven't seen her work in like like ever since American Beauty came out. She disappeared. So I was just like, holy shit! You know, <laughs> it's Thor Birch. Um, but uh, but yeah. So uh, when when they were talking about, you know. Uh, they were complaining about the city and basically uh, it was right before he leaves. He leaves San Francisco. Uh, spoilers. Um, 
but uh, it, it says something about the city itself, which I know for a fact that um, it is predominantly white and everything that is, is criticized about San Francisco is pretty much on the money because it's, it's, uh, it's a city that is, I think it's one of the most expensive cities yeah. like um, in the entire world. Um, it's uh, like really difficult to even carve out a living there because the prices of, um, the, the price of, of ownership of, of home ownership is, is beyond, uh, be, you have to be a millionaire mm-hmm. or making close to a million to actually afford, uh, living there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's. I don't know. Uh, again, these are all things that I think are uh, really speak to their criticism uh, that I found very that f- I found very resonating with the movie. So gotcha. Um, gotcha. So I don't want to say you're wrong, but pff, you're <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I want to look at I want to take a look at your bank statement. I think these guys paid you off. <laughs> no no it's a 24 they don't have enough money to pay me uh-huh. off yeah what's that do you have a playstation 5 in the background is that what i see uh, that, you that, son that, of ba, a bitch ba, ba, ba. <laughs> hey i'm getting the a24 branded on my ass <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh, um it's all right so uh yeah i since i picked <laughs> Since I picked this week, you get to pick for for the next week. I think I have a doozy, and I'll definitely tell you in like a day or two. But I have okay. something li- I have something lined up that I think <laughs> is going to be uh, not as brilliant as what we just saw, but um, something something up our alley. So I know that, okay. uh, right. dear listeners, I know we went kind of heavy this week, but. Uh, I promise that uh, next week we'll definitely have something uh, <laughs> of the more. We'll have something a little bit more spicy. Yeah, a little of the lighter fare. Let's put it that way. <laughs> okay. But you know, if you're into like artsy and and well done films, please ch- <laughs> check out check out um, the Last Black Man in San Francisco. Like it, it really is a well made film. Okay. Great. Yeah. Uh, ra- resounding endorsement. No, that is not um, an endorsement. I st- let the record show. I still don't like that the film. I won this argument. You did. I. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know this was an argument. I thought this was a review. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's me versus you, man. It's me. It's the robots versus the tech. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, folks. Uh, we hope that you are uh, staying safe out there. Um, Remember to keep on practicing your social distancing and your hand washing. Uh, we're not out of the woods yet, but uh, there are dents being made. And uh, it's going to be difficult, especially with the weather getting nicer. But uh, in the long run, I think we'll all appreciate uh, all the sacrifices that we're all making. So, Yeah, and with that, I think we should cap the show, right? That's right. All right. Um well, uh, just uh, before we leave, also, just wanted to mention we might have Matt Cameron on uh, going on next week. Um, but more more than that, we might also have merch 
in the near future. It only took us a pandemic <laughs> to get this off the ground, <laughs> and we're so proud of it. But we will have a promo uh, going around pretty soon with regards to the merch and advertising ourselves, of course, as always, on uh, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify. Uh, of course, listen to us every Monday at noon on Radio Free Brooklyn and uh, check us out on iTunes. Uh, and also, uh, if you like movies and you want to see us pit other movies against each other, email us at robotsversustaxes at gmail.com. And, uh, and that about wraps it up. So I am Pablo Morale Martinez. And I'm Ernesto Mancibo. And together we are the Robots versus Taxes program. On Radio Free Brooklyn. Yeah, you goddamn A right. So while you're out there, you could try keeping it real. But you should try keeping it right. Song of the Week. <laughs> <laughs>